Oh, God. Where am I? Hey, relax, man. Relax. It's going to be okay. But, but you're a giant pink bunny smoking a cigar. Hey, this isn't a cigar. It's a, it's a blunt filled with childhood memories. Right in my face. <coughs> hey, relax. I don't understand what's happening, Mr. Giant Pink Bunny. It's fine. You're just tripping on ketamine. What? Don't worry, you're in a hospital doing it for psychological reasons. There's a doctor supervising this. You're going to be okay. Huh. Okay. I, uh, well, I, uh... You're just here taking ketamine because it's going to help you stave off all the intrusive thoughts and thinking about hurting yourself for a few months. This will be good. Ketamine is a promising possible future antidepressant solution. Oh, okay. Uh, I mean, I guess, I guess that sounds good. How, how long am I going to be in this weird sort of nebulous space? You're not in a nebulous space, you tripping balls. Oh, okay. Your brain has just been exposed to a to a tranquilizer. It's shutting down your outer senses like a deprivation chamber. Okay. What? How much longer is this gonna last? Twenty, thirty more minutes. It's not too long. Oh, okay. Uh, what are what are we gonna do for those twenty to thirty minutes? We're gonna play checkers, but. All the checkered pieces look like the face of someone you know. Whenever you lose a checker, checker piece, you're going to hear the checker piece say, Oh no, why couldn't you save me? Jesus. Yeah, you got a lot of baggage. You really needed this. Today I have a very uh, special guest in the house. Um, I have uh, Dina Mendelwitz. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. It's always good to see you, Ruben Ryan. It's great to see you as well. Um, just as a uh, brief inter uh, introduction to the audience who may not be familiar with you, uh, Dina Mendelwitz, well, feel free to add anything to this that you think is important, but I know you as in my opinion, uh, a fairly uh, important figure in the local improv scene. Ooh. In my opinion. It, I'll, I'll elaborate on that a little bit more, but please, how would you describe yourself to the audience? Um, I'm a improviser and uh, stand-up comedian, and I'm also uh, work with kids in the school system, and I'm a mom, and uh, I like 80s uh, sitcoms a lot. Oh, nice. What's your favorite 80s sitcom? My favorite 80s sitcom um, would, I mean, I think the one that I think is best is probably uh, Golden Girls, or dare I say, uh, probably the best sitcom that came out of the 80s was The Cosby Show. But 
a little rough to support it these days. Yes, yes, that's, that's, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, sometimes uh, talented people, even if they have a positive impact on certain aspects of society, doesn't mean they don't have some things wrong with them. Yes, yes, quite a lot. Uh, but yes, yeah. Uh, uh, and then the, all the bad sitcoms were made in the 80s. I mean, the, like we had much lower quality of television than we do now. Charles in Charge and Fact to Life. And uh, <laughs> they're not good if you rewatch them. Nobody yeah, can act I, on them. I, I can. That that makes sense. That makes mm-hmm. sense. Yeah. Uh, so uh, so, I, so I'll just I will elaborate on one of the things I said. Um, and this might this is the way I see it. This is, this would be my opinion is that, uh, from my perspective, you always seem like, you know, you're a person in this, uh, comedy community who you get stuff happening. Like shows seem like you have, uh, you have a show that you run yourself and you're frequently involved with, um, running, uh, running other shows, improv events. I, I genuinely think of you as someone who keeps, the improv ball rolling, so to speak. Thanks. Yeah, I think uh, Cleveland is a interesting place to have an improv career because we we haven't uh, really had though. It looks like we're getting a theater soon. Uh, haven't had a theater, which isn't always a bad thing because to me, I always say there's there's nobody who's going to tell you that you matter because you made it on this stage or whatever. You just mm-hmm. make your show happen and you pick a place to do it. Um, and I think when I first was performing improv like I wasn't great so people weren't asking me to do stuff so I said well I'll I'll make stuff and just ask the people I admire to play and I always always tell people I like there's no reason to wait if you're like I want to be on a team then create the team absolutely mm-hmm. that's that's a great that's a great attitude to have when it comes to making art yeah it's uh I think like when I started Second City was here. So you're like, oh, these people, I need their approval and stuff. And then it's like, you know, I wanted to do stuff with, with Kim Pry because I love Kim Pry. And we started doing shows and we asked the people we thought we would most enjoy playing with to be on the show. And that's uh, that's all you got to do. Excellent. Um, so how did you get started in improv? So... Uh, I moved back to Cleveland. I, I'd been away for like just post-college a little bit. And I moved back in uh, the summer of 2002. And there happened to be a second city here at that time. I'd always loved comedy and everything about it. And uh, I took started taking classes there. And then it, it shut down probably, I think, less than a year after I started. Uh-huh. But some of the people stayed around and they offered classes. And I went to other cities and took stuff. And... And like I say, when there isn't stuff here, it's almost easier to create your shows and stuff. We would just, uh, our, we started Kim and I doing benefit shows. We would, uh, our, our group name was Friends with Benefits. And we would um, we would gather together people we liked and all the money would go to charity. And um, it was a fun way to kind of start and do something. I, I think I remember that group. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that that takes that makes yeah. That's that's a while back. Yeah, um, so awesome. What do you, th- um, so what do you think? 
pulled you into improv specifically? Because there's a lot of different ways that people choose to engage with comedy. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Um, it was fun. I, I like when I was going to take my first class, I don't know if you've ever seen the musical uh, chorus line. Uh, I, I've not seen it, but I went mm -hmm. to school for theater. So okay. I've, I've heard plenty of uh, musical majors practicing uh, <laughs> bits from it. Yeah, so there's a I've song called. I've seen some bits from it. There's a song called "I Felt Nothing" about somebody who like goes into a theater class and the teacher's like, "Everyone's great but you," and he keeps giving her a hard time. And I was like, "That's what's gonna happen. Like they're gonna know I don't know how to improvise." And I had Mitchell Fields as my first teacher, who everyone should have as their first teacher because he's uh, knowledgeable and professional, but also so supportive. And so I think once I just tried it because I think I wanted to get into comedy somehow and I, I didn't know how and this seemed like a way. And then this, you know, the, the idea of improv, of having permission to, I, to do things on stage that I didn't do it in real life. Like for the first three years, I think every character I played was angry. Um, and I think it was because off stage I was, I was never someone who got angry. So I was like, oh, look at this. Um, and I just, I just fell in love. And I think with the people, um, I think it just, it sucked me in. And then, um, I always wanted to do stand up, So I, you know, dabble in that too. Nice. Yeah. I myself have also had a, a long love affair with, with improv. Mm -hmm. I occasionally think of it as my religion, uh, because it's, um, I don't know. It puts you into that, it can put you into that place where suddenly, like, this, the problems of life seem farther away and everything is, suddenly you have achieved that rare state of just existing and yet still be doing things at the same time. Yeah. It's very... Yeah. There is, and I, like, I mean, personally, like, I deal, obviously, with a lot of mental health issues and when I'm performing it's the only time my brain isn't messed up because it can't be because I have to focus on my scene partner and what's going on so it's like I'll get 20 minutes of a break from my brain and that's like euphoric absolutely I feel the same way <laughs> it, it's just regular life is mm -hmm. is so much so much more complicated and, yeah. and painful and what's weird is that you can do a scene about like regular life things, and then suddenly, at least for that scene, they're not so hard to deal with. Right? No, it's a hundred percent true. And I, like I said, like I love eighty sitcoms, but it was like the world of problems are solved in twenty-two minutes, and it's like that's what you get to do on stage. That same sort of thing, and it's like outside of that, it's it's you know more like a mini series on a war than a. 22 minute sitcom but if you figure out any way to transfer the things on stage to help you better when you're not on stage absolutely mm -hmm. like so, like i like obviously i have not cured all my mental illness but mm -hmm. i but it, but like the amount that i think that improv helps me get through life yeah is, is just a lot yeah like i I I have like some type of attention deficit issues and mm -hmm. like so frequently I find myself in life just 
suddenly flying by the seat of my pants unprepared. And if I didn't have improv, I I don't know how I would get through anything. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no. I get it. I get it. And I think in some ways for me with being willing to try so many different treatments was some of that, like someone offers you something and you say, sure, why not? And part of that uh, felt like it was able to translate. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. The, the Getting your brain used to yes and, I think, makes you just more flexible in dealing with, with other human beings in general. Yeah. Like, Without a doubt. Even if you still are, like, obviously in real life, you need to maintain, like, boundaries. Mm-hmm. But, <laughs> but, like, yeah, just people are naturally so, like, cut off. Like, we, we are trapped inside our own perspectives. And so it's, it becomes hard to truly connect with other people sometimes. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I think improv helps with that. Yeah. Now, um, I did want to ask because, mm-hmm. well, I, I, feel like, I feel like everyone in the comedy community is aware that I'm the world's giant stoner, but... Uh, so you, one of the treatments that you have, um, you have been experimenting with, um, are, are ketamine treatments mm-hmm. uh, for depression. Is that is that right? Yeah, for depression, it's supposed to help specifically a lot with suicidality. That's good to know. And, and uh, uh, yeah. So, what has your experience with ketamine been like? So, um, the. With the treatments themselves uh, positive, with being able to get the treatments, it's been a bureaucratic pain in the Mm. ass. Um, But uh, I was in a hospital and they recommended ketamine through IV while I was while I was there, like a ketamine infusion. And that was uh, at Lutheran Hospital. And I did that. And um, first of all, I'm somebody who like does nothing like I don't drink I don't smoke like I I very um not like just for no reason just who I am and um so I went through the ketamine thing and it's literally you're tripping um so uh it's kind of funny I had a mix of music to play and my music tastes are kind of like old Jewish lady music taste and so uh okay wait, I was have listening... to ask, what what do old Jewish ladies listen to um, what I listen to, which is Broadway, Billy Joel, Elton John, and then a lot of like, you know, I like also a lot of singer songwriters from the seventies through the nineties or whatever. So like Carol King and Lannis Morissette and, um, a lot of people, uh, um, so I was listening to Joni Mitchell, uh, the, you know, painted ponies go up and down and like ponies were like going out of my like they were flying off off in my mind and it was actually funny I used to listen to somebody's improv podcast as I was coming out of ketamine Danny Caracioli has a podcast called those who ants and it's improvisers but they're in character and it was the craziest experience because it was like people I would know but they were different on the thing and then you're coming out of a hallucinogenic experience so they give you the ketamine it takes about 45 minutes where you're having this experience and not everyone 
trips um, on it. Like the first time was like scary. Like I thought I was dying while doing it. Um, and then I actually like, it was like being on stage in the way of, it gave me a break from my brain. So even if I wasn't getting like better, I was getting this relief, but for them to let me continue, I had to be getting a certain amount better because they do studies mm. and they do this stuff. So it really sucked because uh, the, the people who ran ketamine said I couldn't do it anymore. And uh, two of my site, like two psychiatrists were saying, let her do it. And, and they said, no. And then I've been trying, there's another form of ketamine, which is um, through a nasal spray. Um, and you go into a doctor's office or a practitioner's office um, and you, um, you know, uh, squirt it up your nose. And uh, I haven't done this one yet. And it, um, and you then have to sit there, I think, for about 45 minutes. I don't think you kind of trip on it. I'm not sure. Um, but I've, uh, getting things approved by insurance has been a hassle. Like my insurance was like, we approve you. And I was like, yay. They're like, but it'll still cost you $2,000. I'm like, well, then what's your approval? Like, like you're just telling me you agree with me. Like I, so I've been think you fighting need this. What? We think, I was, we think you need this. Yes. Uh, yes. but you know, we still <laughs> got to pay for it. Right. We just want to charge you an exorbitant amount. So I haven't had ketamine in probably over, um, a year in the hospital now isn't even doing, um, like regular patients they're doing like people who have qualified for studies mm. so it's a kind of a big mess that way i have been looking actually to um into lsd um you know they say microdosing mushrooms and stuff um uh um but it, there are studies for that but they fill up super quick so i i have not I have heard very promising things about um, about the mushrooms specifically. Yeah. That yeah. if taken at regular at like semi regular intervals, mm -hmm. it can like really really help with um, with certain types of um, depression and anything that would involve sort of those negative intrusive thoughts that make you feel the uh, suicidal ideation and whatnot. Yeah. Um, I do know that in Sweden they give LSD to terminal patients. Oh, do they? Uh, yes. To uh, apparently it helps them like come to terms with the terminality of their disease. Apparently, huh? At least I think it's Sweden. I sometimes get Scandinavian countries. <laughs> up. But um, so, like, I'll take a second here just to uh, tell the audience a little bit about ketamine. Um, so, ketamine uh, was originally a type of uh, tranquilizer and the way it works is that it um, it essentially is it turns off your your like senses so it's slowly shutting off how much outer sensory input your your brain is getting and so that's why some people go into what is called a k-hole um, where basically it's like they've entered a sensory deprivation chamber only they it's completely with inside their body and so their brain will just start replacing the information they're not getting with these hallucinations <laughs> um it is also a drug that is popular to give to children for surgeries because it is safer to give them than anesthesia oh, due to their small body size hmm. yeah 
I, I thought it would have been super helpful if my therapist was a, like, there's some people who do when you do LSD and stuff, mm-hmm. your therapist is there while you're doing it. And yeah. you're, and, and I would have like, there were times like when I would come out of it, when I was like, Oh, I wish you would, would have been there. Cause like, maybe we could have gotten to someplace I can't get normally. Yeah. Um, yeah. Things like, um, I know things like LSD and MDMA are more of like a therapy drug. Like the mm-hmm. idea is you're supposed to take them and it's supposed to be like, you're supposed to have someone there to like talk you through the thing. Yeah. So, um, yeah, it's weird. I, I made the music. I'm not like a big music person, but I made the, the music, um, thing for me to listen to the playlist because it was always um the price is right was playing in there which is super (laughs) weird to just kind of mix in with whatever you're hallucinating at the moment and uh it was uh i found it a bit like no i don't think this is what i want uh going into my sort of thing so but yeah (laughs) it was just you know they'd be like how much for this fabric softener and you'd be like what the no I, uh, I I did ketamine one time. It was okay. not, it was not in a legal sense. Well, uh, special K. Yeah, n- no. <laughs> so I uh, I was going to this guy's house uh, to to get weed, and um, this was sort this was shortly after one of my leg surgeries. So I was like on crutches and stuff, mm-hmm. and so uh, I I get to I get to his place and um, he invites me in. We're hanging out, and he's like, uh. He's like, okay, so uh, my girlfriend's actually bringing your weed, and I was like, I was like, what? Uh, okay, I guess, I guess that's fine. He's like, she's not gonna be here for like uh, a half hour or so, and I'm like, oh, great, okay, so I guess we're gonna, we're gonna hang out for a little bit, and uh, he's like, I don't have any weed myself right now, and I, which is the most ridiculous thing uh, for your, uh, for the person selling you weed to say to you. And you and I was just like, uh, okay. And he was like, but I do have ketamine, and like, I I was going through a lot at that time. I just got mm-hmm. out of surgery, and like, my brain was like, and he's like, it only lasts about thirty minutes, and my brain's just like, ah, fuck it, let's do ketamine. <laughs> <laughs> and so like, but he didn't, but this is street ketamine, so he has it like as a powder in a little baggie, and he's mm-hmm. got this tiny spoon. That he's that he's scooping it out with, and it, and this he's like basically telling me you got to suck it up your nose, and this is the first time I've ever done this with any drug ever. Uh-huh. And so I'm like, okay, I guess we'll see what that's like. So I take this tiny spoon up to my nose and I just suck it in, and it's like it burns, like it burns so bad. Oh, like, it? oh god, and you can feel <laughs> it like dripping down the back of your throat. It's uh-huh. absolutely disgusting. But, like, I sit there for a little bit, and, like, the world starts to go a little, <laughs> a little, like, wonky, shaky. And, like, I wait a little bit, and I'm like, okay, well, this is okay. And I'm like, ah, give me another one. And so I do another one. And at some point, this tiny, ugly dog had crawled into my lap. And, like, the next thing I know, this this tiny, ugly dog is, like, my whole world. Like, I'm just like, okay, we're just going to pet this dog, and it's going to be okay. And, we're just... <laughs> and then, like, um, but coming down was unpleasant. Like, yeah. coming down, like, the next, like, as I was coming down, because it did only last about, like, a half hour or so. Uh-huh. Like, I'm coming down, and I get up, and I'm like, ah. 
And, yeah. like, and I, I like stumble on my crutches. Like I'm fortunately like right at the front door and like I just stumble out of the crutches and just vomit outside. Oh man. Uh, and I come back in. But like the weird thing I will say about it is that like I did like as I was driving home after I had finally gotten my weed like as I'm driving home uh I'm like you know what's weird is I do feel strangely optimistic right now oh wow <laughs> like cuz I don't know it was like I just had this like temporary like sense of like everything's yeah. going to be okay yeah yeah, it gave like, you know, I feel like it a little bit of a a reset to the brain or whatever sort of thing going on. I mean, I've also, you know, like done shock therapy and that like feels kind of like a hard reset sort of thing. That has so many more side effects than ketamine. Ketamine really doesn't have any. If people have done lots of drugs, like often ketamine won't work for them, like the in the therapeutic setting. It might work in the the non-therapeutic setting, but yeah. So I don't know if it was more hallucinogenic for me because my my brain is so pure. But it's had a lot of pharmaceuticals, so who knows? <laughs> it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, oh, I just had a question for you, and I spaced on it. Um, so um, at one point, I remember talking to you um, mm-hmm. about shock therapy. And um, mm-hmm. at the time, you were the only person I'd ever like heard say anything positive about it. Um, so what are your, what are your thoughts on your experiences with shock therapy? Yeah. So, um, I, when I was first going to get shock therapy, like I was in a outpatient program and a woman came up to me and was like, don't do it. It's going to destroy your personality and you'll never be the same again. Um, which is always, uh, feels good to hear right before you're about to do something. Um, (laughs) and I was at a point where there really wasn't a choice. Like I didn't see a way of making it out alive. Um, So you take what's available. So the first round I did shock therapy, I did it just on one side of my brain, uh, unilateral shock therapy, and that has much less side effects. And my brain was a little bit affected, but hardly at all. And then I was good for about, I was healthy for 14 months. It's probably the last time I had a stretch that long. And this was in like 2012. um, stuff got bad again, and then they tried unilateral and it wasn't working. So they went to bilateral, so both sides of my brain, and it destroyed my memory. Like, um, and what they tell you, and this I found talking to people all over, um, having the same experience, they say your memories will come back, and everyone says they never came back. Um, so, uh, so I had the bilateral. At that time, I think my 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 kid was about um, seven years old. Um, it kind of took away uh, like almost every memory from his childhood that I had experienced, oh which is like awful. Like you're like, you know, uh, um, and I had people who could tell me the memories, but it wasn't like it would jog it for me. It was like I was hearing it, but it didn't it didn't come back. Um, and, uh, and took away like all my short term, like, you know, I was like, I don't, I don't know how to drive to Costco. Like you were just like weird stuff. I went to an airport and I was like, how do airports work? Like, I couldn't remember what you do when you went in. 
so it was kind of crazy. Um, and I did it in the bilateral and I got some relief and then it stopped giving me relief. So I stopped with it and I, it was just getting so, um, so damaging that way. So it's, it's, um, and I remember talking to the person who was my therapist at the time I started the shock therapy and saying like, you know, I don't know if this was worth it or not. And she was basically like, yeah, like you have to remember that because uh, it was a choice I made like you have to remember like there was nothing else and ketamine wasn't around then and TMS which is people do now which is trans uh, cra uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation um, which is uh, has no side effects and is often a first place you go where they kind of vibrate magnets on your head a certain amount of times and it can help with depression OCD and anxiety um, so like it was it was what was around and I, you know, fortunately have created a bunch of new memories with my son. Somebody was recently asking me if I would do it again. And I was like, if somebody told me you'll get a year of feeling okay, I would trade in the memories for the year, but I won't trade them in for no guarantee. And I know with health, nobody ever has guarantees. You know, people don't, people get chemo and they don't get a guarantee it's going to cure their cancer or whatever, but I wasn't willing to make the risk. So, um, I mean, it was, it was gentle. It doesn't, you're, you're, you, they give you anesthesia. You're not awake. Okay. Um, and so you like sometimes wake up with a headache because it makes your, you convulse. So I, I, I was going to ask because in the movies, it's always depicted as like these people being like awake. Yeah. So, so it's not, it's not like the movie. It's funny. Like they were like, it's nothing like um, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, which was not that reassuring. It would be like, you know, somebody <laughs> saying, Oh, misery is nothing like being a best, best-selling author. That's not what it's like. Um, <laughs> but but um yeah you're you're completely out and they they look like to make sure your foot moves or something um and your your body convulses and then i was kind of tired the rest of the day and then there was the, the side effects of the the memory and they give you every time that test that trump bragged that he oh, the aced this test um both ketamine and ectu take this test like it's it's not something to raise like can you tell what are these three animals and you're like giraffe hippo lion like that's what's on the test and then it's like remember these five words and he was like nobody remembers the five like i had you know 30 some treatments i remembered the five words but yeah it uh it was really funny to me that that he was so proud of that i found a giraffe Better than yeah. anyone else ever found a giraffe. Yes, exactly, exactly. So they you, thought it was an antelope, but yeah. I said, yeah, no, that's so, a giraffe. Uh, you would do that, but, you know, and uh, yeah, like I say, I don't think it's something I'll ever do again. Okay. Especially now that there are things like LSD and ketamine and uh, if we ever get them here. Yeah. Uh, where is it that just legalized uh, mushrooms? At was it uh probably Oregon? I was gonna say <laughs> I'm just gonna guess Oregon because I'm sure I want to see it was either Oregon or Washington or Colorado. That sounds I, good. It, like somehow I don't know how Colorado seems to like have so much in common with like Oregon and Washington because it's like nowhere near them. Right. Well, it's like Cleveland having a Sea World. 
made no sense. There was like Florida, Texas, California, and Cleveland. I I remember going to SeaWorld as a kid, like all the time. But yeah. Like, although now, like after I've seen Blackfish, I look back at it and I'm like, Jesus Christ. Is that like a documentary on how awful it was? Uh, so, oh man, so I definitely recommend the the uh, the documentary Blackfish mm-hmm. uh, because it's about um, orcas, okay. or specifically um, specifically orcas that are uh, held in captivity. Okay. And uh, basically, orcas that are held in captivity um, have in terrible mental health. Oh jeez. Like um, it is not uncommon for orcas in captivity to periodically like attack trainers wow and what's interesting is that orcas in the wild never attack humans mm-hmm. only in captivity orcas attack humans um, well, it's like i'll be in a mental hospital sometimes and somebody will go off on a, a staff member and you think like oh it's because they're mentally ill but it's no because they're being held and they're being treated like they have less um, power and um, less, you know, autonomy or whatever. And I'm always like, it's the space you've created that's making people get angry. They're not. They're not angry when they come in. And the uh, the documentaries, um, even though it talk it talks about other um, mm-hmm. killer whale attacks, um, specifically, I think it focuses on a killer whale name uh, to kill him, which is kind of an interesting name to give a yeah to give a killer whale who turns out to be dangerous. Uh, but, um, like, it was kind of like, they kind of treated it like, a, like this whale just kept getting moved from, like, different, like, sea place. Like, it, it was it was in this one place before it was in SeaWorld, and it just, like, kept getting moved around uh, between, like, different SeaWorlds and, and whatnot as it would, like, become aggressive. Mm. So, like, SeaWorld... So it it was like that uh, that bad cop that SeaWorld just kept moving from different precincts. Yeah. Jeez. Also, SeaWorld lies about animal life to make you feel less bad about uh, them being in captivity is another thing that came out of it. Like, like they misrepresent the the lifespan of an orca. Okay. They they live much longer in the wild. Oh, jeez. So yay, SeaWorld. <laughs> They have imprisoned nature's most sensitive animals. <laughs> Which actually apparently, like, dolphins and orcas and stuff have, like, an extra part of their brain that is completely, like, emotionally related, apparently. Hmm. So, yeah. I don't know. It's an interesting movie. Yeah. If check you like out. documentaries. I do. Okay. Well, Black Fish. All right. Check it out. <laughs> but yeah, uh, was Sea Road was right next to Giaga Lake. Yeah, I love Giaga Lake. Oh yeah, Giaga Lake was great. It was, was, uh, there was that guy behind the door on the rotor. I remember the rotor. I was the, yeah, the feet would drop on, out from under you, but there was a man who rode it all the time, and they like had a sign up that said. 
we we know there's a man behind the door like because people kept saying hey there's a guy staying on the ride <laughs> and uh yeah uh but no Jung lake is like 20 minutes from where i live so i, I went there a lot yeah it was like the walkable amusement you know it was like it was like so much more doable than cedar point oh yeah like my family went when i was a kid my family went to Geauga lake all the time but mm-hmm. we never went to see i i didn't go to cedar point until i was an adult yeah i don't i think i went once as a kid and then like you know went uh college age and above i just took my son there though last week um which it was an interesting place to be to have suicidal thoughts like being just sitting in an amusement park um with a carousel that was like playing patriotic music but it sounded like circus music and uh because i like didn't really like if i go with him i ride the ride but he went with a friend and i was like i guess i'll just hang out so uh, i mean i mean there's you could you could all go on some roller coaster we could have we could if he would have let me i'm cramp style if i wanted to but i uh I ate a funnel cake and I did some freelance work. So. I'm sorry, you did some what work? Freelance work. I like to do some work here and there for American Greetings. Oh, okay. Like the uh, like the greeting card company? Yeah. Like I used to years ago work on staff there as a humor writer. Um, oh, nice. Uh, there's been a few improvisers who've gone through the door there. Um, and then uh, now ever so often I'll do uh, a freelance thing here or there. So- so do you just like come up with funny things to put in like greeting cards? Yeah. So when I worked there, you had to write eight cards a day. It's actually a lot, eight ideas a day, every day. <laughs> like oh. I was like, at the beginning, I was like, yeah, this is so easy. And then at the end of the first week, I was like, well, that's all my ideas. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, But they tell you, they'll say like, they would assign you certain things. Like you're working on Father's Day from Sun or you're like, you know, uh, so then what, what caption do you want to write for? Um, and you'd write eight cards a day. And if you got one in, that was like a good day. Um, like every so often, like, like, I think like once or twice I got three or four in and that was like amazing. It was like, you know, you're like, oh, I'm good. Um, <laughs> and I often like you would write seven cards that you would sweat over. And then the eighth card would be something you phoned in that you're like, this is so lame. And that's the card that would get picked. Um, but, uh, but, um, cells. It's a yeah. <laughs> so so I worked there for, for a couple of years and then I, that was, uh, well, right before I had my kid and uh, now ever so often I'll do, I actually just did some mental health cards for them and some stuff like that. But uh, it's a funny random, it's like a good exercise to have to write eight cards a day. Now they don't have to do that. It's like two. So The greeting card industry has slowed down. We need fewer. Yeah, cards. it has, I believe so. Now so much is, uh, you know, the online card thing. Mm-hmm. Which I don't, I don't know. Online cards just don't feel the same. Yeah, no. Like, um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Greeting cards are like, are like little comics. Yeah. For you. Yeah. So uh, it was, I was working there uh, when, George W. Bush was president and I had a lot of anger about him being president and they they let me write tons of political cards and stuff because <laughs> that's when I thought I was like well nobody's gonna ever be more incompetent as this man as a president and had I only known that I was setting forth a challenge um 
but uh but yeah so that was a really good energy like i got to just write write all that stuff out i just so so what are political greeting cards like so it's a lot of times like the front page is the the whole joke and then the inside is just sort of tagged a line or whatever whether it's like you know you know Mm -hmm. wishing you uh you know like maybe it ties into the front a little bit so if it was you know some joke about uh you know i don't know him uh pr pr uh pronouncing uh nuclear wrong or whatever uh, uh nuclear nuclear uh um like you know then there might be some joke inside related to that or something in the greeting you know like uh hope you know everything's all right with your whatever birthday like so yeah so like that political sort of stuff it was usually just or i did one for um hanukkah that was just the front had a picture of a christmas tree and then inside was him lighting a menorah and it said hanukkah bush um and then it was like whatever you celebrate enjoy you know so it's like really you know and yeah like i say some stuff and like some stuff you'd be like this is the best thing i've ever written and maybe like nope or you'd be like, this is such a great idea. And they'd be like, we already have this. So, Did you ever get a card where they were like too edgy? Oh, yeah. There'd be stuff. And like they would just say, oh, yeah. Without it. And I was in at the time they had an alternative humor department. So I had more leeway than the regular humor department. Um, I don't think it runs that way anymore. The greeting cards they sell in like head shops? Yeah. Uh, have you been in a head shop? Well, uh, yes. So, so funny there's a place called puffin stuff on the east side yeah yeah and i i know the people who own it and they also have like kind of like high tide rock bottom and coventry they had kind of like cool fun gifts or whatever and rocky yeah. my son was looking for something doctor who related for a friend so we went in there and uh uh um and he found something and then he was like goes over to this case like this glass case and he's like oh my god look it's boba fett and it was like a glass bong um <laughs> and then he like noticed the cards on the way out he was like i saw some stuff like you know yeah you know, they yeah yeah they have some dirty jokes on them cards yeah yeah so that's i remember like going to high tide rock bottom as a kid and being like oh yeah so we yeah. we didn't uh they had a line I want to say that was like close to that, but was a little bit safer. Mm -hmm. So, this, they're not go they, these cards aren't going to Spencer's. No, no, oh Spencer's. Uh, yeah, no, and like one of their number one sellers was, um, like a human like butt with, uh, grass all over it, and it said mucho gracias. Mucho gracias. And it's like, you're like, oh, that's what I'm trying to achieve. Okay. I can, you know, like, uh, so but the improv stuff, I think helped in a lot of ways, you know, I started doing it right. Not long after I started improv, that sort of thing. And like teaching yourself the, the saying yes and to your own idea because you'll start writing something a lot and you'll be like no and it's like what happens if I do it because maybe if I do this shitty idea I'll get to the idea past this idea Absolutely. which happens you know on stage and whatever so um it yeah it was a weird thing so is there like um so like do you just write the idea or do you or do you do any cartooning too 
No, if I like sometimes would do a very rudimentary image um, if I needed to get it, if it was a, you know, a visible joke. Um, or I would just write what it is. I'd be like dog standing on table saying hurrah, you know, or whatever. And then I don't know what that joke would have been, but you know, um, but there were people, quite a few people who did both, um, who, who both wrote cards, Andrew, and then there's just others, people who are artists and they do the drawings for, for that sort of stuff or whatever. But, um, do they ever like give you a drawing and say, Hey, we need a caption for this? I don't remember. I don't think ever. No, it wasn't like the New Yorker contest or whatever, okay. but like I would often go and look at like retro images or whatever. And like we had access to using any of those and be like, Oh, what, what would I make this a card out of this or whatever. But yeah, I don't think they ever gave us images for captions. Ret retro images. <laughs> no, we're sorry. We've, I'm sorry. Wait. Well, no, we can't. We can't take this this card idea. You used the retro image of this man spanking his wife. Yeah. 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 <laughs> when I was there, we could have used it, but not anymore. <laughs> uh, but yeah. So it was. It was interesting. Um, and fun. And then sometimes they get licenses that I had enjoyed. Like they got the Muppets, so I got to write like Statler and Waldorf cards oh, and nice. stuff like that. Nice. So, that would be fun. Yeah. And fortunately got Star Wars after I left. Though at that time I wasn't into Star Wars because I really just got into it because my kid loved it. Mm -hmm. nice. um, so, so you got into Star Wars because your kid loves Star Wars? Yeah. I mean, like I watched probably the original movies and when they, when the, you know, Phantom Menace and stuff came out, I was just out of college and and um did not enjoy seeing that movie I saw it in the theater I don't think I've seen any of the those three since then um uh but then he he got really into Star Wars and it's oh no you froze no at the same time I was like really into Carrie Fisher just the mental health stuff and so I, oh is it okay you're break you're breaking up there for a sec a little bit you like it like paused and then cut up with you okay talk a little bit is it back now it is back now okay okay so yeah so he um he, he got into it and then you're just you know like he was watching the movies i would watch i don't i watch them like a non-fan like he'll talk about them like a diehard <laughs> and i'm like like i loved uh the last jedi which a lot of star wars fans don't but it was to me like mm -hmm. it came out post trump and it was like this women rule and like um i was like this is the star wars movie we're supposed to have now you know and so uh, uh yeah, we're cowboys messing everything up yeah exactly so uh so yeah so i won't watch them and i've watched i haven't watched any of the star wars series i've watched some of the marvel series but um i really enjoyed uh uh wandavision WandaVision's fun. Mm -hmm. Once again, like I thought, I was like, oh, my son and I, we should do a podcast where I explain the sitcom references to him and he explains the superhero references <laughs> to me because that's what happened when we watched the shows. I was like, this opening is a takeoff of Family Ties. And he'd be <laughs> like, in the movie, uh, Vision's stone got taken. And I was like, okay. Uh, but that would... yeah, I've been, enjoyed that stuff more than I thought. I, I really loved the most recent 
Spider-Man movie. Oh, the new... The most recent Spider-Man movie, like, it, it's it's hard to describe it, but just like every time all three Spider-Men were on screen together, it was it was just such a joy to watch. Yeah. With... And like, I very much remember the Tobey Maguire ones coming out and seeing those in the theater. And I hadn't seen any of the Andrew Garfield ones, but before the most recent one came out, I watched with my son the two Tom Holland ones. But yeah, it was just having them there. And I saw it in a crowded theater, um, which wasn't something that existed in recent years. And even like before COVID, when I would take my son to see Star Wars, they'd have it playing every 15 minutes. So we'd have like maybe 30 people in our theater, but it was packed, which we were wearing masks. It was packed. And like you were, everybody was having the reaction. And like, that's like, gave me such joy of like what movies used to, feel like when there were less times offered yeah i yeah no, I, I was also like i went to the uh the highland theater to see spider-man because mm-hmm. i knew it was like a huge theater uh-huh so like i knew i could give myself a decent social distancing and yeah. wear a mask and whatnot and like it was just uh, it was just pure fun like mm-hmm. i can't it was just fun to see, and yeah. the theater added to that. Yeah, and uh, I'm a big Andrew Garfield person. I like. Yeah, I like Andrew I, Garfield Spider Man. I uh, I have to watch him now. I just watched him in Tick Tick Boom and thought he was phenomenal. Oh yeah, uh, I saw him in the Eyes of Tammy Faye. Oh yeah, I've never seen that, but I should watch it because I. Con- confusingly, it is both the name of a documentary about the same topic and the recent um biopic which is why i was so confused because i was like didn't we already have this yeah (laughs) they have the same name which is a little a little confusing but uh oh i've forgotten the i've forgotten the lady's name who plays tammy jessica chastain i think think that's right i i will feel bad later if i find out it's not but i think you are correct um she does a really good job as, as tammy faye and Andrew Garfield does a good job as her husband. And um, like Baker, Jim Baker? Yeah, Jim Baker, that's right. It's it's an interesting story, like about mm-hmm. how their their lives proceeded. Cause like if I had to say it, my interpretation of it would be that they both seem like they might have been bipolar. Uh-huh. And like essentially what would happen is and the movie never says that, but like that's my unofficial diagnosis. Because, like, essentially what has happened is that, like, one of them would, like, go into, like, a depression mode, and the Mm -hmm. other one would go into, like, manic mode at that time, Mm. and they would use, like, their mania to propel the other one through whatever they Mm -hmm. were going through. It would, like, because there's these moments where, like, they're building up, like, their media empire, and Jim's, like, freaking out about it, and Tammy would just, like, no, you are gonna do this. You are gonna... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this don't let them take this away from you and whatnot oh man i liked um you're uh, how old are you ruben i am 30 oh god am i 37 i think i'm 37 i was born 37. In yes you're you're a bit younger you're like about eight years younger than me um i remember uh so vividly snl at the time of the tammy baker and Jim, like, like uh, I think Phil Hartman played him, and I forget who played, but it was like this mascara running down the face, and it was like, you know, I, like, it's 
stuff used to stay in the news cycle so much longer before social media. Now we get like really outraged for a day and then we're done. Like you think the Texas school shooting, like when it was Sandy Hook, it was Sandy Hook was in the news for like a year. And now like it's in the news for two days when uh, something happens and it's like, because uh, we just, we, we blow it out really quick, our outrage. Uh, like fairness, we, we that post- one's probably, that one's probably going to come back to the news though, because there is an investigation. So it'll probably yeah. at least yeah. come back in when the investigation turns out. But it feels like, you know, nothing is going to change, you mm-hmm. know, uh, laws because the, they'll go, people will just forget, people will be outraged and then they'll, you know, go on to the next thing to be outraged about. But, uh, but yeah, I remember the like presence of that and that FNL um, moment very much. It's, uh, it, it is an interesting story. And Tammy Faye is an interesting person mm-hmm. um, because she, what's interesting is that like she got in a lot of hot, she basically got rejected from her own community after she essentially started to have compassion for the LGBTQ mm-hmm. community. And she became a big advocate for like the AIDS crisis. And she was like mm-hmm. one of the only people on TV doing it at that time. Because, right. Because conservatives were like, no, we're yeah. not going to make a big deal at this. But then this supposed conservative comes out and they're like, no. Yeah. Event- yeah. It's it's interesting how it all turns out, too. I don't want to ruin anything. but Yeah, it, no, it, I'm definitely going to watch it. It's, it is history. Uh, mm-hmm. but, but yeah, no, they created the 700 Club. Yeah. Before Pat yeah. Robertson. Yeah. I definitely recommend checking it out. It's an interesting movie. Yeah, well. But uh, we live in strange times. We do. We live in strange times. Yeah. I saw someone say that we peaked with the 90s. Like, Kennedy <laughs> peaked with the 90s. And, like, the thing about that is, is that, like, in a certain regard, that's kind of true. Mm-hmm. Like... Like, there was just a lot of stability in the 90s. Yeah. But, like, I don't know. Like, certain things are better now. Like, right, without a doubt. Like, technology, mm-hmm. medicine, and uh, I would say art. <laughs> <laughs> like, don't get me wrong. There's good art from the 90s and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But, like, like everyone's... like we there, was back... a... oh. there was a sameness. Yes. of the 90s yes like there were only a few standout movie directors from the 90s mm-hmm. in my mind because like every movie felt like it could have been directed by anybody mm-hmm. especially comedy yeah like, oh without like, a doubt yeah yeah like when i think of the 90s i think of kevin smith so much because like yeah he was such a distinctive voice right in that period yeah Definitely. Same with Quentin Tarantino. Uh, yeah. Nineties, uh, which, of course, what's hilarious about that though is that after Tarantino came out, like suddenly, like there were tons of like crime movies where everyone had something clever to say. Yeah. Yeah. And they all had low budgets and all that stuff. <laughs> How do we do the same exact thing? Mm-hmm. I'm gonna bring it back around to improv here now. Mm-hmm. Um, so did you get into more of like, when you started out, were you more long form or short form? Um, you know, I did, um, 
I think our first shows we did, we, we were doing short form. We were doing the, the Friends with Benefit shows was, was a short form set or whatever. I can't remember if we did like a mini montage at the end or not. I want to say it was short form. And then I feel um, like I remember them being short form. Yeah. So and it was like uh, uh, Nate Cockrell, who unfortunately passed, um, and uh, Mark McKenzie, and uh, this guy Steve and Kim and I, and uh, we would do that. And then um, I think the first long form show I did was this Improvised Life, which I started like eleven years ago or something. So it's been going wow. on a while. I, I was very afraid of uh, long form, uh, the way it was, and I'm not saying the person who explained it was wrong, but the way I took in how how it was, and I really, I got a lot out of um, Mick Napier, who was like, we, these are stupid distinctions, short form and long form. Like there's things we're doing in short form that we should be doing in long form. And like, it's just something somebody made up and like, I don't need to see your slow moving, like, you know, I have to have serious scenes sort of thing. And he really put in the kind of like, for me where I realized, oh, like how, how does this, you know, play and, and, and um, like, I always like, I'll watch, uh, just go with it and oh thank you um i watch you guys do it and it's like oh they take it a completely different way and have abilities i don't have like you have there there's more groundedness in in some of the, the scene work and there's character sort of thing and you guys are able to play a little bit slower and that sort of thing and that's like stuff um i was playing with dana and kim recently and dana was dana carcioli was like let's not do any tag outs for the first three scenes, which was a really good uh, goal for me because I tag outs are a safety net for me. Mm -hmm. It's like, Oh, okay. This is how I can kind of, so I was like, so then we could have slower grounded scenes to go from or whatever. So um, that was really helpful. Um, but yeah, so I think I've been doing the long form for about 11 years or whatever. I still, I did short form for a while still. And I love it. I think it's, um I, I enjoy it thoroughly. I just don't have a, a group that's playing it. I mean, there is a group who's doing it, but I'm not with them right now. Um, but yeah, I, I find them both really enjoyable. And I think just like you take short form to long form, you take long form to short form. Like absolutely. That's the whole idea. So if I'm playing switch left, switch right is very much like what you do in a long form. You're you're jumping the scene, you're raising the stakes. Um, you're being affected by each other sort of thing. So when I play long form, it's like still bring, I mean, short form, still bring character, still bring truth, that sort of thing. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I find them both enjoyable. How about you? Um, yeah, no, I, I absolutely find them both enjoyable. Um, uh, switch left, switch light, a uh, switch right or, uh, whatever. <laughs> the game has so many, so many right. I, I've heard it called four square shift yeah. right shift left. Although at at PNR we've decided to change it to uh, until America gets better, we're calling it shift left, because we don't <laughs> want to call it shift right. But now it's like no, <laughs> we gotta we gotta do something to wind this. <laughs> you gotta get the winds where you can. Yeah, uh, so I think so. We've said we're gonna <laughs> change it to shift left now. But uh, where was it? Yeah. Uh, no, I love that game, and um, I 100% I agree. Like, for a long time, like, the concept at PNR was 
hey, we should be doing this because we were we've been we started out as short form and we we do some long form stuff too. But like for a long time, we were like we should do. Sh- for a long time, our philosophy revolved around us doing these things that some improvisers would have described as being more long form techniques in our short form, where we were like, okay, we want characters and we want stakes and relationships and we're going to build our short form scenes off those the same way that we would build a long form off yeah that was sort of our philosophy there so like and some games i would even call like medium form yeah well, yeah i don't know uh if you ever have watched uh if you watch any food network um uh sometimes yes there's a guy bobby flay who's a well-known yeah. chef and he has a show called beat bobby flay i've seen and, that one yeah, so you see this. So what happens is somebody has a dish that they like have made a thousand times in their life, and Bobby has to make it for the first time ever. And like ninety percent of the time, he still wins with the blind judges. Like he wins, and it's because like to me, what we do in short form and long form, he's not playing the dish. He's like, I know that every dish has to have flavor, has to have texture, has to have. He has his whole thing that it has to have, and that's like when people are like, I don't like. Um, party quirks i'm like well that's because you're playing it that you have to play to get this end result or i have to be hokey or i have to be this if you play this is just a scene and the like you know gift i have for myself is i'm a lamp whatever sort of thing it's you know and because for me i would get stuck for a while like where i when i first started where you had games you preferred and this game i can really do and then it's like oh when you realize that's just like a little hook it's nothing more yeah. And uh yeah. I, I I went through a period where I was where I was definitely like kind of jaded and maybe a little ostentatious where I was mm-hmm. like, Ugh, that's a gimmick game. Yeah. And it is if we play it as one, and a lot of people do mm-hmm. who aren't comfortable and are who are hacky and that sort yeah. of stuff. So then it's like when I'll I used to do stuff when I would uh like be working with teams like a short form team or whatever and i would say everyone tell me what game you hate and then i was like okay you're all gonna play the game you hate like we're gonna we're gonna bust it we're gonna change it into i'm not gonna let this game beat me and me think that like you know mm-hmm. and if we you know what do you hate about it well you know it's always this and it's that we're, it's, it's always that if we make it always that mm-hmm. my uh, big thing would always be oh, this game doesn't really this game doesn't turn into a scene half the time <laughs> Uh, and that's like, yeah, like, and I could be totally accused of doing it. Like, you know, you sometimes are, you're playing the game and you're now, you know, you're winking at the audience and, you know, look at me up here. Ha ha. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've learned, all... I've learned to embrace the sillier games Yeah. where I'm like, you know what? Right. They're fun. Right. Just let people enjoy things. Right. The and audience... when we're do- doing long form, we'll have grounded scenes and then you'll have completely ridiculous, silly scenes and. They all make up the same thing. Yeah. The, uh, yeah. I'm a, I'm tip, I, I'm a, I'm a very grounded person. I, mm-hmm. I just like, uh, I don't know. People tell me that I'm very dry, uh, regularly. Hmm. Um, or at least people who listen to my podcast. Yeah. told me, it's like, you're very dry. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> that's what I've been trying to tell you. Uh, <laughs> but, um, I don't know. For me, I appreciate like, um, the drier humor, like, mm-hmm. uh, like Bill Murray is probably one of my favorite comedians, mm-hmm. um, in terms of actors, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm just 
I'm not I'm not a naturally silly person. Yeah. I can get into silliness, but like I, there's like one of my favorite types of laughs to get from an audience mm-hmm. is might be the slightly sad la- laugh. <laughs> Where like a character will say something that's just like a little funny but also a little bit like kind of gut-wrenchingly sad. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll get like a combination of awes and 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 laughter <laughs> and like laughter that kind of fades into like a a sad oh. awe. <laughs> that I don't know why. That's just one of my favorites. <laughs> yeah, Do you have a, I, you have a favorite type of laugh to get? I know, I was trying to think about that and sort of thing. I mean, I enjoy sometimes when you say something that's so specific that you don't think anyone's going to get. And there's the like response of people being like, yeah, yeah. Like uh, enjoying that with like, I enjoy that with, with improv, but also with storytelling, you know, you're telling a story and you're sharing something that seems so specific and then it's more universal than you thought. Um, And uh, that thing when people come up to you after and be like, Oh my God, that exact same thing happened to me. And you're like, you know, have that sort of experience yeah no I, and also it's i love it when like you make the reference and then like maybe like only like one or two people like mm-hmm. laugh really loud yeah yeah it's yeah like, they know what it's about yeah you like reference like a a restaurant that was shut down in the 80s and they were like yeah i had their cornbread you're so right and you're like yeah oh no my boss uh crud my boss is calling me I will, I have to go. Let uh-huh. me call you back. Okay. Ah, uh, what's going on? Okay, hold on. All righty. So I, uh, so actually, um, I don't know much about, I'm not sure I've ever seen your stand-up. Um, um, yeah, so I started stand-up in, I mean, I don't know if for you it was a similar experience of how you did it. Like I had been doing the improv for a while. I should say when I first started improv, I attempted to stand up and I did this thing that nobody, not only should nobody ever do, but why I did it. I don't know. I like, you know how I used to be able, I don't know if it's the same, you could audition for the improv amateur night or whatever, and they give you five minutes. Okay. Yeah. And so I auditioned and I was having the five minutes and I invited every person I know in the world, like, a ridiculous amount of people. I've been doing stand-up like three times. I was just used to, used to be that place, the Robin's Nest. I don't know if you went there. I've done stand-up a few times. And so I go up and I do this show and I do my five minutes and it went over like fine. It wasn't great and it wasn't awful. And the guy had said before we did it, like you have to go your whole five minutes or it's, it's you know, irresponsible and this sort of thing. And we'll show a light at five minutes. Well, at the time I had an undiagnosed eye condition and I couldn't see the light. And so I just kept rambling because I was like, he told me I can't get off stage. And Mr. Sunshine, Mike Wapasic, had to like come and be like, your time's up. And I was so embarrassed and mortified. And I wanted people to know that I didn't think I did well. So I said, I'm never doing that again. And uh, that was in like probably... um, 2003 and then I like did stand up probably again 15 years later 
and I had been hosting shows and you get comfortable, you know, hosting and you sometimes tell a story and I've been doing storytelling and I just started doing stand up, and it's all, it's almost all about mental health stuff. Um, and uh, I really enjoy it, but I don't pursue it. Like I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, if someone asks me, I'm happy to do it. I, I find that very relatable. I, 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 I try to do more stand up. I try to get out there, but like it's, it's, uh, I, I'm someone who like has trouble getting out of the house. Like mm. I would. Like if, like if someone hasn't invited me somewhere, my I'm I'm just immediately like oh, I should do shut off mode. <laughs> I have nothing to do tonight. Well, you could have something to do tonight, Ruben. If you were a go getter and a hustler, getting out there on the stage all the time. Wasn't there? Or maybe I'm wrong, and I. Oh no! Ah, crud! You froze again. Okay. I, I, I thought there was a while where you were doing it a lot more often. I was I doing it a lot. There was a period where I was doing Hello? it a lot more often. Um, but even then, I had a severe handicap, which was that I would not voluntarily drive to Cleveland. I, <laughs> like, like, there was a part of me that, like, cognitively knew that was like, I got to get up to Cleveland. That's where all where it's happening. Mm-hmm. Or at least that's where all the, the comedians seem to be, like, where you go if you want to start getting money for yeah. shows and whatnot. Um, but, uh, but, like, I didn't really know any of, like, the Cleveland or Lakewood places. Mm-hmm. I'd, never, I'd never been to any of them. Um, and like, I was familiar with all, with a number of the spots down here. I had been to the Euro Gyro and the Stone Tavern when it was the Stone Tavern. And, um, I haven't been to the new place they moved to after the Stone Tavern closed, unless I'm getting the names of places mixed up and I'm using the name of the place they're in now instead of the place that they moved from. But it's not important. The point point is getting my, forcing myself to drive that far was... Like, if someone at any point had been like, hey, man, you got to come check out this mic at Cleveland, I would have been like, okay, and I would have gone. Mm-hmm. But, like, I need, like, that extra incentive. Like, someone yeah. needs to be like, hey, Ruben, you should do this thing. And even then, like, I – oh, my God. Uh, there's this um, there's this dude who, who sets up shows in, like, Highland Square that, like – I um, uh, Matt Farkas – and uh like he's a cool dude and and very funny and whatnot and like um i'm pretty confident like if i if if i reach out and be like hey man could i get in on one of your your shows one of these times i'm pretty like even my friend a friend of mine uh who knows both of us has been like you need to contact him and be like i told you to contact him and and i was like okay okay i'll do it and then i just covid shit keeps happening yeah (laughs) and i just was like Yeah. I'll have a moment of like where I'm feeling good and stuff and I'll like make arrangements to teach workshops and mm-hmm. do stand up and, and then those dates come and I'm like, why did I make this happen? And now I have to go do it. And I don't know with you for stand up. I like, I get a lot of nerves right before I mm-hmm. go up. Like I was doing it w- once at one of Michael Bush's shows 
And Dion walked in and I almost said to her, like, do you just want to take my time? Like, I don't want to do this, but I wound up going up and then it, it went great. And it's like, yeah, though the last time I did stand up, it was awful. It was like one of my worst sets ever. Oh, wow. And usually I try to get up right away after that happens so I can wipe that one clean. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I've done stand up since then. Ouch. Yeah, I. Uh, there's like, oh, man, there's something about a bad stand up show, though. Yeah. Like it's. It's not like a bad improv show, because like when there's a bad improv show, you have people to commiserate with. Right. Like, I mean, I mean, it it happens sometimes that like everyone at a stand up show does terrible, like like yeah. the, where the vibe is just bad and no one can get it going like that happens. And I guess maybe that's more tolerable because then like you have people who'd be like, oh, man, that was brutal with you know yeah but but stand-up itself is like so like I, I i sometimes make this comparison that like um improv is is like doing mushrooms because because <laughs> it, it's it's kind of complex and there's like this more there's like a it has a artsier vibe and then like even when it's bad you learn something but then, like doing standups, like doing cocaine, um, because you just you're you're going up there and you're just you're you're doing lines and like hoping they hit you with dopamine. <laughs> but like sometimes when you get up there to do your lines, you realize how you realize partway into the bag that it's like all flour and baby aspirin and no <laughs> cocaine. But you still have to do all the lines before you get to go off stage. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I don't know the experience, but that's funny. Uh, yeah, and I've actually never done cocaine, just for, just for the record. Okay, good to know. Good to know. I didn't know. I, I was wondering. No, yeah. but I, I know the science of how cocaine works. Uh, okay, because I do find drugs fascinating. Um, yeah, but uh, I find stimulants uh, scary. Like, mm. it, it, like I had to talk to a bunch of people before I was okay with them giving me Wellbutrin. I was like, yeah. Okay, but like, but like, is it scary? Is it like, <laughs> does, does it feel like a stimulant when you take it? Because I don't want to, I don't want to be sitting here going, oh man, what's my heart doing all day? I'm on it now and I'm tired as fuck, so I don't know. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually, I am kind of tired. Yeah. Like tired, but not asleep. It's yeah. Very annoying. Yeah, it feels like that thing when you've like stayed up all night and you're groggy, but your brain can't shut down. Mm -hmm. i'm sure that's not what it's supposed to do but i will say the first day i took it like my normal like adhd like leg mm -hmm. tapping like like jumped up like several notches like oh wow just like like it, it's it's like i was i was actually at an open mic uh that that day and like i was sitting next to another comedian that i know and she she sees my leg going and she like leans she like leans over and she's like and and like uh makes a comment about nerves and i was like oh no this isn't nerves i'm <laughs> i just, i just i'm on a new medication <laughs> and i'm feeling kind of spun up that's all it's not yeah. <laughs> but that yeah, was no just i have like day. a medicine i take lithium which gives me tremors um and i was on stage and all of a sudden my whole stomach started shaking 
And it was like, I think it was the tremors. Like, I think it was, I don't even know if it was nerves or just the amount of energy in the moment and, uh, you know, dopamine and whatever sort of stuff. But yeah, it was just, I like had to comment because I was like, I couldn't tell if people could see it was happening or not, but it felt like I was like doing the hula. I, so you reminded me of a drug commercial I keep seeing on Hulu and Tubi. Because <laughs> there's a commercial now they have. Oh, about they, tardic like, dyskinesia? Yeah, yeah, like, 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 basically, like, the commercial is these people, like, talking about how, like, they're so insecure about people seeing their tremors. Yeah. And then they're selling a medication to, like, cut down on the yeah. tremors. And, yeah, like, it's like, take this medicine to stop the side effect from the other medicine. That commercial is around on all the time. I, I, I kind of feel, like, weird about that commercial, though, because, like, part of me is, like, I feel like maybe there's someone with that condition who's just sitting there, and all of a sudden they're, like, Oh my God. People, <laughs> what do people think about my trimmers? I never thought about the, t- <laughs> like, like I, I, I feel like, like it bothers me that the commercial almost seems like designed to make these specific people like self-conscious about their trimmers so that suddenly they'll want this. Right. Medication. Right. Yeah. No, I, uh, I had a, like a five-year-old who I was talking to and I was trying to help him. He was building Legos and I was, trying to take two of the Legos apart for him. And he was watching my hands and he goes, you just have silly hands. And I was like, that's what we're going to call it from now on. I don't have tremors. I just have silly hands. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Stuff. I don't know. I was just <laughs> like, so like a thing I think about a lot now, what with like all this crazy, like anti-vax stuff going on is that like, it shows a wild amount of like disconnect, like um, what's the word? Um, uh, dis dissonance, like cognitive yeah. dissonance, dissonance. like because people are like people are like freaking out about the vaccine, like oh no, it's there. Are, there can be negative side effects, and it's like it's. Are you not paying attention to every medicine and right. drug ever? Right. Right. Like, do you not watch? Like, you you turn on the TV and the new medication comes on, and they list like a million side effects, and some of them are death. Yeah. And it's like now, but now, now you're worried about what we're putting in our bodies. Right. It's, right. It's, yeah. Like, no, it never makes sense because people aren't making sense. They're just mm-hmm. ridiculous. Yeah. I. I, I just. Like, which, like, you could die from aspirin. Yeah. Like, all, all, all medicines, all drugs, foods, like, anything you put in your body might not do what you want it to do. Yeah. No, and it's the thing, it's like, I'm always trying to figure, like, what's worth it and what's not, and, like, I'm not feeling great. I'm like, I'm taking all this lithium and i'm having these tremors and lithium can affect your kidney function and has other like risky components to it and i'm like is it even doing anything what if not why am i putting it in my body every day mm-hmm. like i'm all for putting anything in your body that helps you feel better 100 um uh you know totally be uh behind that but like sometimes i'll be on these meds and i'll be like you know i have dry mouth and shaky hands and i'm like is anything even working and i don't know the answer right now yeah, I, uh, 
so I, I gotta be honest. I'm, I'm pretty happy with being medicated at this point. That's like, good. it's a very, it's still kind of a new experience for me. Mm -hmm. Um, but like, like I can really, I can really feel like a difference generally oh, that's speaking. Good. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know. I was in a, I was in a real, real bad place. <laughs> and now I'm like, like i still get sad i still get depressed um i still have some rough times uh but like they feel like they pass quicker mm -hmm. like i i recently I, I won't go into it too much but like i had a i had a personal thing happen uh which was actually very reminiscent of the thing that started my pre my my previous spiral and like it was real bad, like real, real bad for like, uh, for like, for like maybe three days, mm -hmm. and like, like generally speaking, the week after wasn't too great. But like I could, like, it, it was something that I felt like if it had happened to me without the medication, I would might still be messed up about it right now. So, so I think the medication helps. Yeah. Cause I, and I don't know to me, like, even it, though it doesn't obviously feel good to not feel those well things there's to, to feel them and then get out of them is more how, you know, it's working, mm -hmm. you know, yeah. if you weren't feeling it at all, you, you don't know sometimes you're like, mm -hmm. but you got the change, you know, to me, I always feel it like, you know, when you go to the dentist and they put that like big, uh, uh, weight the thing on you yeah. the lead vest like yeah. when they take that off you kind of feel like ah like there's a lightness there <laughs> and that's yeah. like I'm always like trying to get trying to get the lead vest off mm -hmm. or it's like uh so I have psoriasis <laughs> uh -huh. of my scalp like most mm. mostly it's the scalp and uh and like I I've tried I I eventually found a shampoo that worked but I tried so many shampoos for so long like different kinds mm -hmm. and like all like almost all of them like there'd be this period where i would be trying it and then eventually i'd be like god is this even doing anything and i'd stop using it and then like it wasn't until i would notice like the intensity of the discomfort without it that i would notice it was doing something where i'd be like oh god no it is worse it is worse without it but <laughs> But like, uh, I eventually got a shampoo that actually gets this itching to stop entirely. And, well, that's uh, good. Yeah, it is. You know, Dare warned me away from drugs, but drugs have dramatically improved my life. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, some of the drugs have also been a problem, uh, yeah. but but <laughs> mostly, mostly drugs have improved my life. Have you found, because I, and I don't know, and everyone has different experiences, like do any of them act as a depressant or make things worse when you're coming down or getting off them or whatever? Are we talking meds or? For no, fun? like more like uh, non-meds. Non okay. Um, uh, let's see here. Um, well, the thing about... Um, something like say something like lsd is that it 
it it lasts like a ridiculously amount long time. Like um, okay. it lasts about eight to ten hours. Oh wow! And um, and and like the thing is, is you go through this period where like it's like oh, okay, I'm not. I'm not there anymore. I'm I'm back, but I'm not but I'm still high. I'm not tripping, but I'm I'm like high. Mm-hmm. And then you don't really get through that until you take it like until you take like a nap or something. And then you wake mm-hmm. up and you're like, oh, "Okay. <laughs> I'm exhausted, but I'm I'm not that anymore." Um, but it doesn't add to like depression or whatever. Um, that drug is tip typically that drug um would there's a lot of people that's um it's there's a lot of people that think microdosing might actually be a way to deal with uh depression. Right, right. There yeah, was no, a, there was a I, study that said that it was better for you that, that like microdose in the morning would be better for you than coffee. Mm. Um, because like it does have like um a stimulating effect um mm-hmm. like a microdose will actually just make you feel like really like mm-hmm. i don't know how to describe it like fluidly lucid like like you'll just be able to it'll be easy to talk to people and stuff um but if you like go past that point then not so much uh but um now mushrooms are interesting because uh mushrooms i find very much more emotional like there's um there's an almost like uh, sanitized touch to the way that um, like LSD feels compared to mushrooms because uh, I don't know how to describe it exactly, but like when I when I in my experience when I take mushrooms, it's much more common that I will have an experience where suddenly while I'm on it, it'll almost be like the mushrooms are telling me like uncomfortable truths about myself like uh uh, like during a period where i was um i was uh unemployed i i i was my leg was all messed up and i was unemployed and i was um but like a friend of mine was in susicle and i was like well someone gifted me this like small amount of mushrooms so i'm gonna i'm gonna get someone to drive me to susicle and i'm gonna (laughs) (laughs) i'm gonna take this and go see susicle and That's would... got to be weird to see on mushrooms. I've seen Susical not on mushrooms, and it felt like I was on mushrooms. Well, like, so the experience was very, actually, the experience was a letdown because, like, I'm sitting there the whole time waiting for it to kick in, and I'm just, and just, like, the show ends, and I'm like, God damn it. And so, like, we all go out to eat afterwards, and now I'm sitting in the restaurant with everyone. We've ordered food, and, like, I'm looking up at the painting, and just like the painting starts shimmering, and I'm like, "Son of a bitch!" <laughs> and I'm now I'm in a restaurant instead of a dark theater. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but so I just, so yeah. But like afterwards, I like got home and I'm like looking in the mirror, and suddenly like my brain is just like, "Ruben, you gotta get your life together, man. You need a job. You need to start living up to some potential." Cause like that's the thing is that sometimes when you're on mushrooms, at least in my experience, there's some there's just like this moment where you're just where like you have a more clear picture of yourself, and uh, sometimes mushrooms will like throw you some hard truths in your face. Hmm. Um, but 
the thing that's nice about coming down off of mushrooms is that it's it lends this incredible sense of clarity like that would be what I, like if i've taken mushrooms and i've genuinely tripped like on the way down there's just like this sense like even sad things are beautiful mm -hmm. um in in a well in a in a good case scenario like that um but i i find that mushrooms tend to be a little bit more uh emotional um so like if i just want to have fun or watch a movie i'll probably take ass because <laughs> it's like i don't i don't need to deal with that shit today um the major thing with with psychedelics is that like people go crazy with them and i don't mean like oh i took drugs and i'm insane i mean like it's somebody's first time taking and they're like oh man i took five tabs and it's like why what's wrong with you that is an yeah. unreasonable amount <laughs> like i would like i've never i've never taken five tabs <laughs> what are you doing to yourself how long do you want this ride to last? <laughs> but uh, Cary Grant uh, was a big uh, really proponent of LSD. Huh. Uh, there's actually a picture of him on like, is, is it Time or Life magazine? One of those magazines, there's a picture of him on the front, like holding up a, a thing, uh, like a tab or a cube or something. I forget what he was taking it on. But like he was a big proponent of... Um, lsd therapy uh this was like in the 50s before wow. like the counterculture yeah. like started doing it all the time um before the counterculture started doing it recreationally um del uh del close did it too yeah yeah um del close uh the uh improv legend yeah uh was a was a proponent of it um although like it doesn't sound like other people at Second City approved. <laughs> like, because I, I have this book here that's like, um, it's like quotes and excerpts from like interviews of like everyone who was part of Second, all the like the uh -huh. most famous cast or whatnot. And like, there's yeah. people in there talking about it. And like, apparently, like Del Close would like occasionally call people just like freaking out, like yeah. talking about spiders and shit. It's like, Jesus Christ, still close. Like, <laughs> like people tell me stories about how, like, I remember someone told me a story of how, uh, like, they were like, I'm never doing acid because my friend told me about the time he did it and he had to hide in his room because he thought the Lucky Charms leprechaun came out, was coming out of his television to kill him. And, like, people tell me that stuff and I'm like, and my brain is just like, what? <laughs> what? How much did you take? That's not normal. I've yeah. never had anything like that. <laughs> yeah, so I, so I don't know. Life is weird. Yeah. Um, the uh, Lexapro uh, lifts your top, like SSRIs. Uh, mm -hmm. Say that right? Is that the right? Yeah. They, um, they increase your tolerance uh, for things like... Uh, LSD and mushrooms. So you have to take more? Typically, yeah. Mm -hmm. um, I have a friend who um, who uh, wanted wanted to try them, and it was it was an interesting experience because he he took S because the first time like he barely got an effect, and like we realized we found out later it was because of his medications uh, that he was taking. Uh, 
which would would hilariously often result in him uh taking ridiculous <laughs> like he would like we went to see a movie one time and like he like kind of freaked out at the movie because he had no idea what was happening in the movie and it was uh it was a mission impossible <laughs> so like he he got confused because tom cruise's character would be in disguise throughout the movie so he couldn't figure out who tom cruise was playing because tom cruise seemed to be two different people uh but afterwards we get out and um and like i don't know how much he's taken so and so at a certain point we get home and i'm like so like no, actually, I think it was the next, I think it was later. I think it was like the next day I asked, like, he told me that he took nine. And I was like, what? <laughs> no, don't do that. That's ridiculous. <laughs> um, and I was like, no wonder you didn't understand the movie. <laughs> wow. Uh, so, yeah, no, like, people people take too much. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a big problem. Like, you've got to. You gotta rein that shit in. How much does like this stuff cost? That's what I've always wondered since I have no experience. Which like like how much is like a joint, and how much is a tab of acid, and how much is a mushroom, and okay. uh, uh, about? Uh, I'm sure there's different quality. Oh yeah, I mean like that stuff varies depending on where you are and like uh-huh. what the markets like there. Mm-hmm. Um, although like there is a Dave Chappelle bit where he was making it. Uh, there's a Dave Chappelle's uh, bit, or it might be a sketch from his show, where like I think it's the the crackhead characters telling a room full of children things about drugs that are like they probably shouldn't know about drugs. <laughs> and one of the things he says is that like LSD is the mo- LSD is the cheapest drug you can do, <laughs> uh, which is technically true. Um, like you could get like a tab runs between like five and ten dollars. Oh, okay. Um, so, which sounds expensive compared to some things, but like, but like realistically, now marijuana, I, I'm a medical marijuana patient and uh, like that stuff that, uh, oh, by the way, just for the, just for the record, I am currently a law abiding citizen. <laughs> uh, so, um, but like the other thing, like this, it, the, the truth is that having uh psychedelics on you is, is scary um because the thing that's weird about lsd is that lsd is simultaneously the cheapest drug to buy and the most illegal drug to own uh like uh like compared to other drugs it's ridiculously illegal in america which is interesting because almost every drug i've mentioned is uh schedule three in canada okay and you can own them with a prescription wow uh, mushrooms, LSD, and even DMT. In, in what's DMT? I don't even okay, know what so that is. DMT is the drug that Joe Rogan's always talking about. This um, would require me to listen to Joe Rogan, which I do. That's not. fair, and you don't want to do that anymore. <laughs> I used to like Joe Rogan, but he's 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 turned a corner. Duncan yeah. Trussell couldn't save him from himself. He's he's gone over the deep end. Uh, <laughs> but. Uh, but so DMT is actually a, a chemical that is actually produced by the human brain itself. Um, it's essentially it's a chemical your brain produces when you're dreaming, hmm. um, and also when you die. Oh, uh, okay. When, then. when you die, your brain produces uh, DMT, which is why some people call it the spirit molecule. Um, and like, like if you want to get all new agey and spiritual on it, you could even be like, 
maybe that's the doorway to the afterlife, which would mean that actually being shot in the head is the worst way to die. Uh, but, uh, uh, so DMT is a weird one. Um, it took many years before I ever had the opportunity to try it. It's very expensive. Mm. Very expensive. Okay. Um, it is, yeah, it's definitely the most expensive drug that I have ever been offered or tried. Um, it's, uh, also it smells and tastes terrible. Oh, like right. it is like the, I would describe it as like, it's like breathing in a dick sporting goods. Okay. I, when like, you said dick, that's not where I thought you were going. Have you ever like, yeah. Have you ever smelled like a brand new basketball from like a sporting yeah. Goods store? Yeah. That's what it smells like. Okay. And, but like slightly burnt. Slightly burnt, uh, fresh basketball. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. So that's what it smells and tastes like. So that's very unpleasant. And you have to smoke it out of a crack pipe, which is mm. gross. Um, mm. You can, I mean, like you can like pack a bowl and like put some weed in there as like a bed for it to sit on because it's going to melt. Um but like that's gonna make that marijuana bowl smell terrible forever. Uh, <laughs> so that's and will taste terrible too. Like no matter how good the weed tastes, if you put it in that bowl, it's gonna be like, oh, why? Um, but uh, I have never successfully quote unquote blasted off, uh, which is where you get to see the time elves and stuff. Mm. In the limited amount of chances I've had to try it, but. Uh, but some people swear by it. Like it's for some people, it's like a, uh, spiritual experience. Hmm. And to be uh, fair, any drug, you can, any drug you take, you can take in, a, in an amount that will make it mm -hmm. seem like a spiritual experience. Yeah. Um, I've had, uh, the closest thing I've had to a spiritual experience was definitely on edibles Okay. So that, way back in college. Just, mm -hmm. That was the hardest. That was actually the hardest I've ever tripped uh, mm. in my entire life. I thought I was done. <laughs> yeah. I hope, did that answer your question? Yeah, that was really interesting. I find it fascinating. I like to learn new things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It's uh, DMT also super illegal. Interestingly yeah. enough, the, the American government is, is highly against any drug that um, makes you think. Mm. Uh, well, yes, which is interesting, um, but like alcohol and tobacco, <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs up from the American, yeah, uh, government. Yeah, and you can like be drunk and buy a gun and just have your own party. Yeah, that all those drugs I mentioned more legal than guns. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so is my control of my uterus currently. So. Jesus Christ! I was gonna, I was gonna say, do you want to talk about that? Because that's fucked up. <laughs> no, it's all good. It's no, I don't, I don't think I want to go there again. It's okay. just, it's messed up, and it's obviously ridiculous. And the fact that we view abortion as a bad thing, mm -hmm. that it has a a good or bad versus just a medical procedure that some people mm -hmm. get and some people don't, uh, is problematic. It's something I've just learned is apparently like also. 
technically, even though it's not what the procedure we would think of it as today, there technically is abortion in the Bible, and it actually specifically tells you when to do one. Um, apparently, there was like a thing that, w- like, if 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 you thought the child wasn't yours, mm-hmm. you were allowed to give your wife something that would make her miscarry. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't People know. Judaism, we say that like. Uh, birth you know that that life begins when a first breath happens i was gonna say isn't um, that is outside that... of the body and yeah. that it's not only permissible to get an abortion if you're um i mean i think with modern like like reform conservative judaism it's not a question of when is it okay or not okay but if if your life's in danger mm-hmm. it's required to to get sort of thing or whatever and that's if you want to put the religious element to me it's just like it's my body and i have a choice over it <laughs> and yeah. uh uh it's kind of crazy that we don't yeah and i have a, i have a niece and i'm like oh she has less rights than her mother or grandmother had <laughs> we're, we're going in the yeah. wrong direction yeah uh america definitely going in the wrong direction mm-hmm. uh which is alarming um the there's, there's just so much shit going on right now. Yeah, it's crazy. Like, you can't even take in one thing because another thing happens. Like, I don't hear people talking anymore about Uvalde and these 19 kids. Like, when Sandy Hook happened, mm-hmm. we talked about it for over a year or whatever. And now with social media, people just talk about I, it quickly. I, pre- I predict that one might come back up once we... Well, hopefully it comes back up once the results of the investigation into those fucking cops happens. Yeah, well, there was stuff today on that in the news um, of the the first part of the investigation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, absolutely terrible. And there was a shooting July 4th. Yeah, multiple. Uh, uh, Yeah, no, that was right. I saw at least, I think I heard there was like three or four. Yeah. Uh, I I know that specifically there's the big one they're talking about from this guy named... Cremo? Something like that. Like which in Highland Park, Illinois. My my relatives live in Highland Park and they were on their way not to the parade, but to where the parade ended. It, it was ending in a park. And they were like driving there when they found out what was going on and went back to their house. They have like a six and a three-year-old or something. Wow. Yeah. Uh side note. Not to make light of anything, but you know what? Um, if someone's parents named them Cremo, I think it's only a matter of time before they act out violently. Well, that uh, was his last name, I think. Oh, is it his last? Yeah, I think his first name was like Robert or something. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yes, but Cremo, yeah, you're just asking for it. Yeah. No. Uh, but yeah, no, Jesus, these th- they're like, like that's that's terrifying and. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I didn't go anywhere on July 4th. Um, I yeah. know. Oh, and apparently in Philadelphia, there was uh, an incident where like two cops got shot or something. Yeah. On July 4th. Um, so yeah, just like a lot of shootings at July 4th. Yeah. It's how else do you show you're American? Mm-hmm. And and like the thing is that High, um, Highland, Highland Park is mm-hmm. not a, uh, it's not, it's not like the type of neighborhood you see lots of shootings in. No, no, it's it's a very 
affluent neighborhood. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's like the average income is three times the average of the country sort of thing or whatever. Yeah. And um, yeah, and uh, you know, maybe that and if, it, if it had happened in the city of Chicago, would we have been less alarmed by it? And how messed up is that? That mm -hmm. just because, because we view those lives is less than if they're worth less monetarily. Mm -hmm. Who knows? Maybe, maybe something will actually happen now that it's happened in an affluent area. Yeah, I don't know. Cause now, because Parkland, I mean, oh. Florida, that was like a, an a area that was probably more affluent than Highland Park. You raise a good point. <laughs> I want to have hope, but I, I don't have any when it comes to this stuff. So like we we said what how we felt after Sandy Hook, when yeah. we let a bunch of kindergartners and first graders get blown away and we did nothing about it. We said who we are as a country. There's uh, there's an there's an um, in one of the more recent seasons of South Park, mm -hmm. they do an episode about school shootings mm. and, and basically uh, like school shootings just keep happening mm -hmm. and like no one is reacting to them throughout the episode except except Stan's mom <laughs> who's like Stan's mom is like like freaking out and like trying like trying really hard to just get anyone else in the city to care about the school shootings and like whenever she brings it up pe people just like be like asking her if she's on her period every time and she just gets so angry and but no one else seems alarmed about it and like the thing is is that like that level of satire is painfully accurate like oh without a doubt like it isn't even satire at this point because mm -hmm. now okay it's not not periods but like at the same time the roe versus wade is happening and we're having these shootings and we talk about them really hard for like an hour or two and then we go back to what we're doing yeah anyway oh, oh man you're right we got dark yeah we gotta try and find our way back to the light <laughs> young um, people hopefully young people will be able to change things i hope hopefully. so i hope so like so like i do feel somewhat positive because it does seem like a lot of indicators are that the younger generation is is mm. a lot more progressive uh than the prior generation and to be fair the millennials were kind of more progressive than the generation before them and that generation like supposedly these generations just keep getting more progressive um although the baby boomers seem to have regressed uh but uh and also i keep i'm starting to see gen xers start to sound like baby boomers recently i was like no <laughs> uh but like there is still like young conservatives coming out of this and like i can't lie young young zoomers seem uh way crazier uh <laughs> than than old than some conservatives i don't know that maybe that's just my impression of it yeah. uh, i don't i don't know the uh i don't know youtube was crazy right wing for a while was it oh yeah did you oh did you ever hear about gamergate no, I, my son is like a big watcher of YouTube. Um, 
And so I don't know if it's something he knows, but I do not. Okay, so a while ago, like maybe 2000, I want to say 2014, 2015, something so, like yeah. that. That was before him yeah. being into it. There, um, there, was this, uh, there was this woman who uh, was a video game developer who made um, essentially freeware games um, about depression, actually. Um, she was making a free game about depression. And while she was working on this game, at some point, uh, her boyfriend or fiance, I can't remember how, how far their relationship had progressed, um, suddenly um, started a, a, a blog that was all about shaming her for cheating on him. And he claimed that she had cheated on him with, um, with these journalists at, at a gaming website in order to get favorable coverage for her game. Now, it, it is worth noting that she is someone uh, who, who has struggled. I believe it was um, bipolar, is what she said, um, for, for a large portion of her life. Um, and I've known a number of people uh, with bipolar mm-hmm. things, and they, they're all pretty different, unique individuals. But you know, sometimes they make decisions that aren't aren't great. Everyone does, and so like, well, I'm getting ahead of myself. The point is, he accused her of this, and he threw a giant man baby fit on the internet, and a bunch of men on the internet were suddenly like, yeah, yeah. This is wrong. We gotta we gotta take to the internet and we gotta make sure that this woman is is punished for this for this infidelity. And they and they gussied it up as as like a claim for journalistic integrity. But like if they really cared about journalistic integrity, why is this the thing they're attacking? Because like it is a known thing that, like, there are giant video game companies that, like, buy reviews and throw parties with, like, with, like, money and alcohol and strippers for game reviewers and stuff to try and influence them. But this is literally a woman making a freeware game who, like, no one knows who this woman is. Her name was Zoe Quinn, by the way. Mm. No one knows who she is. Was she on a failed reality show about indie game developers? Yes. Uh, but ultimately America doesn't know who this woman is. Mm -hmm. Um, she's just a, she's just a video game developer trying to make her game that is about educating people about depression. Uh, and suddenly everyone's acting like this is like the root of what's wrong with video game journalism. And it was just an absurdity of (laughs) harassment campaigns, primarily against against her and other women who stuck up for her. Jeez. And it was like a whole thing. She almost got a movie made out of her life because of it, which is interesting. Uh, but, like, I, I haven't heard anything about that in, in forever. But, mm-hmm. like, the whole event, like, created, like, a radicalization pipeline of, of angry right-wing YouTubers. Mm all over the place and it's it's just it's it is a strange moment in what would shape like essentially conservative youtube media moving forward 
where suddenly just like a bunch of YouTubers were able to get themselves noticed by essentially jumping on this sort of red pill bandwagon where where essentially these men these essentially primarily men's rights type people would take to the internet to to like like the idea of women getting equal representation in video games and how like sjw's are are ruining everything and that's that's slowly and it essentially created the anti-sjw movement on, on youtube yeah and it's it's just such a grift yeah like it's just like you're sell you're just selling being angry yeah you're just selling being angry about being a man it's it's ridiculous <laughs> but uh it has had lasting effects on conservative views and voices Jeez. which is vaguely frightening yeah uh Although, like, the other half of the, like, YouTube right-wing media are people like Ben Shapiro and Dave Rubin. Oh, and, I know uh, who they are. Yeah. And, uh, oh, I'm forgetting the, what's that person's name? Yeah, I'm forgetting it. Um, Matt Walsh, I guess, is on YouTube. Oh, my mm-hmm. God. I can't, st- I can't stand Matt Walsh. Or that, or that other guy. Or Dave... Oh, that's right. Steven Crowder. That's who I was thinking of. The thing that's mm. interesting, though, is that a lot of people in this group of people have, like, the same origin story. I'm a person who went out to Hollywood to try and make it big. I didn't succeed. And now I'm on the internet warning mm. you about the gays. Mm. Even though I am one of the gays, Dave. Yeah. Like. Yeah, I know. It's a, uh, yeah. Big old mess. Ben Shapiro is awful. Yeah. <laughs> like Ben Shapiro remind like Ben Shapiro just makes me think of like a 15-year-old who knows they're smart. Yeah. Like everything that's wrong with everything that's going to be wrong with that person is what is yeah. what they think of. Yeah. Like cuz if you if you know you're smart too early on, mm-hmm. you don't you stop listening to people. Right. Right. And so you don't like literally Ben Shapiro will like on like in the most unaware way possible will like talk about how he went to like Harvard and like how like the teachers couldn't teach him anything. It's like, oh, geez. Do you think that's the win? (laughs) Like Ben Shapiro, how unself-aware are you that you think that's a win? Oh, you spent all that money to go to Harvard and you learned nothing. Refuse to be taught. Do you hear yourself? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no, just apps. And then there was that whole WAP thing with his wife. Did you you hear about that? Oh, you didn't hear about that? I don't think so, no. Oh, my God, it was hilarious. (laughs) Okay, so you know about the song WAP, Wet Ass Pussy? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I thought you were saying a derogatory term for Italians. Oh, no. No, no. Okay, wait. So you do know about the, the wet-ass pussy thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, was no. super confused. I was like, what? No, I will say the first time I saw the WAP thing was on a meme for pizza, uh-huh. and I was like, that's weird. And then I found <laughs> out what it was later, and I was like, oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, the, the, the wet-ass pussy segment. Yeah. hilarious self-owning there 
Ben Shapiro. <laughs> just like... <sighs> like, he's so, like, I almost feel bad he's so unself-aware. Yeah. Like... Well, if he was self-aware at all, he would realize the fault in all of his arguments. So he can't be self-aware. Um, yeah. Know. Yeah, no, it, absolutely. Oh, my God. Have you seen yeah. this Jordan Peterson video? Um, no. Okay, so first of all, Jordan Peterson apparently just got a job over with Ben Shapiro. Mm-hmm. Not surprising. Uh, you know who you know who Jordan Peterson mm-hmm. is, right? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, okay. Uh, but he made he made a video um, where he explains his Twitter ban, which is just part of the grift. That's uh-huh. just that just looks like street cred to to crazy. Right, right, like, right. I got yeah. It's they wear it as a badger pride. Yeah, no, exactly. It's marketing now. Um, yeah. But in the video, there's like this like he basically is like, but how could I how could I have talked about Elliot Page without without referring to to Elliot as she in this part of the sentence and like it's like what like he just starts talking like explaining why he did it and like it's it reminds me of like those as seen on TV ads mm-hmm. like where you see a person trying to use scissors and it's like yeah. they never use scissors yeah. before in their entire goddamn life yeah like I don't understand <laughs> trying to just stabbing the bag like that's what it was like it was like watching him do that but with pronouns yeah yeah no it's all of his yeah it was there was something like i was telling my son that was on twitter that was like we all you know all of you were able to not uh dead name anakin when he came darth vader yet you can't wrap your mind around elliot page Yeah, no. Once, yeah, he transitioned to Sith. You gotta respect his new Sith name. But, uh, but that is a place where I do feel good about the youth of America. Like I Mm -hmm. see where they are with all of that, and Mm -hmm. I think like, okay. Um, But yeah, we'll see. Yeah, I'm very worried about everything going on in Florida. Yeah, it's awful. Those. And and Texas and actually yeah. Oklahoma or fucking Ohio. Did you right hear about- with the ten year old who had to go to Indiana to get an abortion? Oh yeah, no, that's terrible. But I'm talking about the new oh. sports thing. That did you hear about the sports thing they did with the with the trans athletes? Yeah, yeah. Like it's like this is the thing I don't understand is it's just such an obviously bad idea, right? Like. Like, there's going to be false accusations. <laughs> like, there's get like, someone is going to, like, this, like, somebody's daughter is going to be in a track meet or something and, and not place high enough, and they're going to get mad at Cindy or whatever, and just be mm-hmm. like, oh, yeah, well, Cindy was born with a penis. And then next thing we know, a doctor, ha- next thing we know, Cindy has to go have a doctor check out her genitals. Even though, like, like there's no evidence that trans people molest children, but we know for a fact that athletic doctors have been molesting kids. Right. And yet, we're creating a law that's going to, like, basically throw children's genitals 
at athletic doctors. Like the amounts that they care about genitals, I find it so like, this is where you're going to put your money behind for just all the thing, you know? Well, it's like, uh, yeah, it's, it's just stuff i gotta wrap up here no i totally understand i totally understand uh but uh i just want to okay wait i just want to say no i've lost the thought never mind i had one more thing to say but i forgot what it was but that's sorry no it's cool it's cool uh i'm sure i'll get plenty more opportunities to to talk about the injustices that that america is trying to put onto trans people yeah Uh, unfortunately uh You'll have, uh, you'll have many years ahead, probably. You, you can't brainwash someone into believing they're trans. That's not mm-hmm. how anything works. No. No. That's, that's just, you, you can't groom people into being gay or trans. Mm-hmm. And just, uh, it's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Go, go read some studies. It's conservative. Yeah. Uh, but anyways. Wow, we ended on downer notes. This is, I'm so sorry. But, it's okay, it's all right. But I do want to thank you so much for coming on my podcast i have enjoyed every moment of talking to you i've enjoyed it so much and if i had the stamina i could do it for hour upon hour upon hour but uh yeah one of many side effects is i now go to bed earlier than i ever have um uh and i hope to to play play together soon uh we'll have a absolutely improvised life in uh august so maybe you'll come and play with us oh yeah speaking of that um what do you have anything you'd like to promote uh july 16th is mental illness and friends um which i'm really excited about my guests are um joe briggs and cam godfrey uh who are both great humans and uh there will be some improv and a whole whole good time there and uh then yeah the the first friday in august uh, this improvised life and all of these art imposters theater what time does it start? They're both at 8 p.m. at Imposters. And cool. you can find a bunch of shows on there. I'll be teaching a, a workshop in August uh, for women identifying improvisers. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. All right. Is there, is there a place people could go if they wanted to learn more about these things and opportunities? Um, you can you can go to imposterstheater.com to see about all that sort of stuff. And you can always find me on social, Dean and I are and uh if you want to jump into that pool of weirdness feel free all right excellent well thank you so much for coming on my podcast dina and uh let's just uh say goodbye to the kind people listening over the internet bye guys thank you goodbye everybody (laughs) oh my god the pink bunny again am i on ketamine again no you're trying magic mushrooms as a form of antidepressant right now. What? Yeah, it's really hard to stay in those ketamine trials. It's a pain in the ass. <coughs> but but you're here. Well, yeah, no, your brain's just going to something you feel strangely comfortable with, which is me. Oh, by the way, to see a bunny talking to you, you took way too many mushrooms. Okay, am I, am I gonna be okay? Yeah, no, we're just gonna chill here for maybe four to five hours until you come so you start to hit a more comfortable level and I disappear. But uh, until then, I'm just going to keep asking you why you didn't call your mom yesterday like you said you were going to. Oh, God. I, I was, I was gonna, but you know, I just... You forgot. 
forgot about your own mother. You know, you were way chiller on ketamine. Yeah. Welcome to Mushrooms. <laughs>